And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, our featured guest has a new film about human beings that are capable of extraordinary things. Our future guest is not only an excellent metaphysical teacher who's been on our show before, but she's also a wonderful human being. She's got a beautiful energy, very warm, and I'm really excited to have her back. Let's begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome back to our show for the third time is Caroline Corey. She's an award-winning filmmaker, futurist, and the visionary author of best-selling books on consciousness and energy medicine that have topped the charts of consciousness science and mystical literature. And Caroline is the writer, director, and producer of a great new film. I hope you'll all check it out, called Superhuman. You can learn more about the film by going to superhumanfilm.com. Ms. Corey, how are you doing? And welcome back. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Excellent. So, I've seen this film. It is awesome. It's about having the invisible made visible, showing individuals with extraordinary powers. Can you please talk about the film? What is the basis of it? Yes, definitely. So, uh, the film is about the power of the human mind over our physical reality. So, what I try to do is demonstrate through... Uh, real-life experiences and uh, experiments, scientifically set up experiments, how the mind actually interacts with with physical matter so that people could uh, understand that this is no longer theory. This is real. We actually can now measure and detect the effect of consciousness uh, on a physical object. And so that is really what the film is about. Okay. So what exactly is happening when there's a physical manifestation? Is the brain oscillating, the brainwave frequencies oscillating at a certain frequency for this to happen? Like, What are some of the indications that thought form is closer to physically manifesting? So it's not that we are manifesting from thin air. That's not what we were, you know, what we discussed in the film. It's more about how the mind is going to interact with physical matter and change it, basically influence it and change it. So your so the the brain, the actual brain itself is definitely vibrating in, in a higher frequency. Only usually parts of the brain that are responsible for what we call psi phenomena are being activated and that's usually at the center of the brain now to be honest there's very little uh 
real studies to show and to prove that that is the case because most scientists, first of all, aren't looking there. It's very hard to detect what part of the brain is responsible for what. But in general, I can tell you for sure that the person has to be in a meditative state uh, in a very good alignment in a kind of a stillness state and be able to focus focus and direct their intent on the physical object. So these are the requirements in order to really achieve a, um, to be able to influence a physical object and get it to change. So of all the experiments that you did in the films, what were some of the ones that were very compelling to you that, that prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that humans have the capability of, uh, capabilities of, you know, beyond comprehension? I mean, to be honest, all the experiments are pretty amazing. Each one shows different things. So, for example, the one we did with the pH of water, changing the pH of water just by focusing on it, to me, that one is very, very significant in the sense that if we're able to do this to water, it means that we can just do it to our bodies. And uh, think about this, Ryan, if you can just like focus on your body and get the pH to change, then just by doing that, as, as we all know, viruses and bacteria cannot survive in an alkaline environment. So you can just be changing your chemistry by thinking about it. So uh, these experiments have been done before. But that one, I wanted to do again um, to show that this is a real phenomenon. So people can be encouraged and just apply it to their daily life. Um, so that one is, to me, is very important. And for the folks who are listening, when we set up an experiment, obviously, we don't just jump in. We, you know, we take measurement over a period of time. We create a baseline. We take the measurement over and over and over. And then... We try to influence the water exactly at a certain time. Um, and then when we stop, we take measurement again. So that's how we know that it is the mind that changed it, the intention that created that effect. So um, that experiment to me is very important and very uh, practical, I would say, if people would just give it a try. So but the one that completely, sorry, yeah. Oh, okay. sorry. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, the one that's completely crazy <laughs> that we've encountered is um, the children and adults who are able to read completely blindfolded. I mean, when you uh, first see this, you know, I don't know how you felt when you first saw it in the movie. I was really shocked. The first reaction, yeah, right? The first reaction is, this can't be true. This is impossible. There's a trick somewhere. Because the brain cannot uh, see, the, you know, we can see, we have vision because the light is being reflected on the objects and then you can see. But if, you can, if there's no light, then technically you should not be able to see. And yet these uh, children and adults are able to see perfectly, so how, read, write how a bike, do it? ping pong. What are they accessing? Is this part exactly. of, is this like remote viewing on a smaller scale? Yeah, it's interesting. So what happened is um, in my research, finding all these uh, kids and adults, um, at every school has a different technique, believe it or not. 
And so, I mean, they, they end up achieving the same results. So I guess it doesn't really matter. But to answer your question, one of the schools, for example, the one in Utah, uh, the way the training is about increasing your ability to sense vibration. So you're sensing the vibration of an object to the point that you can basically see the object eventually. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how they actually do it. Um, and they demonstrate it. And so uh, that's how they do it. But other schools are slightly different. They, they basically, it's, it's visualization. It's a form of remote viewing. But others basically train you by starting to think that you are outside your body. So you're not just confined to your physical body and that you are basically seeing without your eyes, your, your body has, is a receptor. Your entire body is a receptor. So, so the more you do this, you literally start to basically reprogram your physical brain. And with time, you start to actually see through the mask. Now, the way I've done it and the way I've, you know, we also, you know, show others uh, how to do it. So as your eyes um, are completely covered, for some reason, the way the brain reacts to this, you start to, with time, see like little dots. So you see little dots of light. And so you focus on them and you try to increase them and visualize that they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, and eventually it's as if you were piercing through the mask. So it's basically visualization. But at the end of the day, whatever the, the method is, you are reprogramming your brain to function without your eyes. Crazy. That's really wild. So what are some of the things that you can do for children at an early age to help them develop a heightened sense or develop superhuman capabilities? So that's another thing. Working with children is so easy uh, because they are so open. You tell them, well, they put the mask on and then you tell them, okay, what color paper do I have in my hand? They, they just tell you. They, they just kind of like try to see it and they do. Whereas when you say that to an adult, they'll be like, well, how am I supposed to see? I'm wearing masks. And, you know, so, so all this analytical, you know, thinking gets in the way, but children, I'm so glad you asked that question because this is when you need to start doing this is when the children are still young, they're still open. And I feel like there's all kinds of things you can do is uh, the most, uh, I find that the most um, easy, the easiest one is probably visualization you can try to kind of allow them to visualize things to the point of starting to sense them. So that's how you kind of create, um, you introduce the idea that first of all, they can tap into things beyond their physical body. And these things, not that they're not real, but they exist in a different spectrum. So it's not crazy. It's just not physical but they're real in that spectrum. And then you're bringing it into this physical experience. So they learn how to interact between the two worlds in a very methodical, logical way. And gradually, you, you know, you add on more and more and more things. Uh, I feel that this is very helpful. Uh, that's really awesome. And 
will love that if you go to superhumanfilm.com in the workshop section you talk about one of my favorite uh, topics which is telekinesis I have always wanted to move objects with my mind I think that is so <laughs> cool I would do anything to do that I don't know what it is I think, I, I think I've just seen the X-Men one too many times Magneto so what is the foundation of telekinesis and to what degree have you seen telekinesis, telekinesis uh, exemplified at the highest level possible? Have you ever witnessed someone being able to physically move objects with their mind at a pretty amazing degree? Well, I mean, I was able to do it in the film long distance. So that, that was one of the things. Oh. I don't know how many people are actually doing long distance. But uh, the, the basis of the, meta, I mean, of the technique, if you will, is the idea that, first of all, telekinesis means that you are moving an object without any physical contact with the object. But if you think about it, whether the object is sitting in front of you on a desk or in the other room, it's the same principle because you're, you're not touching it anyway. So, but you start out, you know, by, you know, imagining that you and the physical object are connected. So it's as if the physical object is an extension of you. So there's all kinds of exercises and visualization that we do, especially with the meditation. And the more you do that, the more it's almost like as if they are part of your fingertips. So whatever your fingertip is doing, then the object should be following because that invisible connection is actually there. Uh, and so so that's kind of how you can start training yourself. It's not like the mind is ordering the object to move. It's not like that. It's more of a connection and, and a feeling that it's all one. That's more what telekinesis is about. So if you think about it, I'm just trying to put this in the way I'm understanding it. You have your own body that you're currently operating so you can like move your hands and you've got control i guess over this piece of matter or this body so how do you annex in other objects that are far away from you and kind of assume the same kind of control over them that you would your own body what is that because i have to say i find moving my hands and fingers <laughs> fascinating i don't understand how i do it or why i do it i just do it so how do you come up with the same frequency or the same uh, methodology of controlling your body the same you would foreign objects? Well, again, you know, you have to work yourself up to, the, to that, you know, gradually. So, so when you do it a few times when the object is, is in front of you, you know, a few feet of, in front of you, even though there is no uh, actual physical connection, but you can almost or at least sense this energetic connection, electromagnetic connection. So once you do that a few times, all you have to do is basically apply the same principle and remove the object, you know, in your head, obviously, and just continue to imagine that that electromagnetic or energetic connection is making its way through the unified field. And, and because you are present everywhere, your consciousness is everywhere. So if the object is on the other side of the wall or, you know, three houses down the street, you just extend and expand uh, your consciousness and you basically merge with the object 
at that distance. And then you, it's almost like you can see your hand over there, <laughs> if you will. And so it's all visualization. It's all um, kind of reprogramming your perception. And if you do that a few times, you, it gets very precise and very accurate and very fast. It just, it's just a matter of training and practice. All right. You said that you are everywhere. Your consciousness is everywhere. But what if you have other points of attraction of the same prime consciousness also seeking to be everywhere at the same time? Is it, then it's become a battle of wills or tests for the points of attraction for the consciousness? Because I, I look at the world at least on Earth, as a in the battle of consciousness with this control that we seem to be gearing towards or just falling into this global control. And I'm wondering if it's happening because you have a large amount of people on the planet that are giving their point of attention to fear. And because they're getting their point of, attack, of attention to fear, maybe hijacking the human body, making uh, the human body stay in the state of fear, that they are allowing that fear to manifest into physical reality compared to the people that are very pro-liberty, very pro-peace, very pro-freedom. Do you think that reality, global reality, is manifested based on the amount of people whose points of attraction are geared towards either way? Is our physical reality a direct manifestation based on how many people live in fear or live in freedom? It's not so much the number of people, it's more the amount of energy. In other words, if I'm one person, but I'm as powerful as, you know, 7 billion people, then my energy, my consciousness mass is going to be able to emit the, that much fear that is equal to 7 billion people. So I don't agree that you have to have, you know, an actual number of people. You have to think that consciousness um, in terms of mass, in terms of energetic output, if you will. So how, how do you know who's who? Well, it depends on the type of person, the individual. Um, each individual has a unique type of consciousness. And the more you expand your consciousness, the more you add to your consciousness mass, the more you can do things, you can energetically influence the physical world. And so this is what the work is about, you know, expanding your consciousness field so that you can influence as much as possible. Having said that, you're not here to influence other people. You're here to create your own reality. So, so as uh, that many people are focused on fear and they're vibrating in fear and pouring the idea that this reality is fearful, now there are other individuals that are doing the same towards love and gratitude and beauty and all of that. So what happens is that one does not overcome or overtake the other. It's more like you get to choose as an individual piece of consciousness, if you will, unit of consciousness. You could be vibrating, uh, you know, on either side. So if you as an individual unit of consciousness uh, starts to vibrate in love, then you stay in that stream, if you will. And then the minute you start to vibrate in fear, then you are shifting to another stream. So it's almost like radio waves, if you will. So you have the AM channels and then you have the FM channel. They're both going on at the same time. But you are the one who's choosing to tune into one or the other. 
Does that make sense? And so one is not bigger or better than the other. It could be more dominant at times because more people are looking at it, but they're both equally, they both equally have that same potential and probability. Got it. So what are two things that people can do to increase their presence, their energy presence, compared to you know others? I say what compared to other people, just generally just become stronger. Like if you want to expand your presence, and there's a real, well, I'll tell you, I'll be straightforward with this. I talked often on our program, Caroline, about the need for people, if they can, well, the need that they it's urgent to get off the sidelines and get in the game and start standing for the light, start standing for love, start standing for peace because I feel like you know we're in that big battle right now. So we need as many warriors as possible and strong people. So what are like, a couple of things that people who are feeling that way, what can they do to expand their, their energy and their consciousness? I think the most important thing is, first of all, to understand and realize that you create the physical reality with your consciousness the invisible part of you, your spirit, your energy, your consciousness, your mind is creating what is what we're observing right now. So the idea is not to be doing, it's more to be, to, 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 to being, you know, to kind of increase that energetic output. And the way you do that is to, through meditation. Now, there's all kinds of different meditations out there. And, and I have to say that not all meditations are created equal, meaning there are all kinds of meditations, but they each do something different. So the idea is to know what meditation do I need today for my purpose? If your purpose is to expand your consciousness, then I would recommend to do the meditation uh, that I call connecting to source. And uh, it has to do with the idea that you are plugging yourself back into uh, or drawing from the hub of all that is, which is source. So instead of um, kind of looking within and trying to quiet down, which there's nothing wrong with that, but we're saying for the purpose, of increasing your consciousness mass, then you want to draw on that energy or at least plug yourself back into that energy. So that is, and the more you do that, so it's almost like you are downloading, you're you're opening the channel straight to the source, which is the hub um, of all that is. It's the most powerful intelligence in the universe, if you will. And when you plug yourself back in, you align your consciousness with that, you start to bring through your physical body, your physical aspect, those higher forms of energy into your physical being. So you do that once, twice, three times. And once you do that, you know, over several days, it's, it's almost like your human consciousness starts to merge and kind of expand to your universal consciousness because you're bringing source, which is universe uh, frequencies into your physical being. So that's what I recommend. In fact, that's the reason why I created this meditation because I was looking out there and every meditation was doing something completely different. And I said, why should I be focusing on the cells or on the trees or planet earth when I can 
draw directly from the source of all of it. And that's what this meditation does. All right. And when you're doing the meditation, you're focusing, you mentioned something earlier about having the ability to change your pH. And I think it's very important because I, one of the things I hear today, Dr. Marcola talks a lot about saying it's good to have an alkaline body. So when you say that you want to change or transform an aspect of your body, what is the say the fuel behind it do you need to be very confident i mean if you're doing this and you're initiating this and you're focusing your attention on physically transforming something in your body but you lack the confidence or you lack the certainty does that affect the uh, your your result i mean how do you how generally speaking how do you develop a certainty or confidence in achieving something that you've never done before or something that you don't even know is possible because you haven't seen it yet because we've seen it work in your film but for people who've never done this before how do they do it is confidence even an issue or does it just generally happen if you give your your attention on it it's definitely an issue that's the reason why there's a protocol you don't just i mean you can try but because usually the human mind kicks in the questioning the doubts uh, the fears and all that stuff, which is a normal reaction when you start doing this type of work. Uh, you know, you have to have a certain protocol. So that's why we, the way we teach this in the class is, first of all, you know, uh, you know, which, which type of meditation works for this. So other than the connected source, then there's other, there are other exercises that we do that have to do with focus. Because once you are aligned, once you're drawing on universal energy, then you want to know how to focus on a target because the water is tar the target, piece of paper is a target. So, so then we, we get into that space of being able to focus on the target. Then, you, you know, like I said earlier, you kind of merge with the object or with the water. And then this is where all kinds of stuff starts to come up. You know, like, am I going to be able to do this? Or how does this work? Or I'm confused, you know. All of that, unless you address it, is, is going to be in your way. So one of the, the steps in that protocol is to uh, address your, the blocks that are coming up for you before you proceed. And that includes your confidence. That includes your belief system. And so it's all part of the preparation. And then you get yourself to a point of being totally, totally clear and clean and in perfect connection vibrationally with the object and then we start. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I would like to ask you about the role of emotion in affecting a physical matter. Because if you look at the human body, and we say that, I forget the gentleman's name, the doctor who did the experiments with the water. I think Walter, I forget, I wish I could remember his name, but he would take pictures of water up close when somebody was saying something very positive saying I love you and you see these beautiful crystals and then somebody would be saying something very negative and you would see the distorted crystals it looks very twisted so it was saying that emotion or positive or negative energy can impact physical matter but if you take away human emotion and you take objects as they are without any aspect of a higher or lower vibrational frequency, 
does that imply that that object will remain in that constant state of neutrality until the point when a uh, biological creature who directs positive or negative energy in terms of thoughts to that object will that object only be changed if it comes in contact with uh, somebody who's who's emotional who has the capability of expressing emotion and sharing emotion with that object yeah it, that was dr emoto who uh, did this uh, this experiment and also there were many other experiments done on uh, plants and all kinds of things like that to demonstrate that when you basically spoke loving words to water, they would create these incredible shapes and, and vice versa with the negative stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it is one of that, that was the point and that was the experiment. And all these experiments showed that that is the case. And what you're projecting, you're, you know, of course we understand love and hatred and anger as emotion, but what we're actually projecting is a frequency because every uh every thought every emotion is a form of energy and every form of energy has a frequency so that's what is interacting with the biological system with the water you are projecting a um a frequency that is interacting with the molecules that is then changing the molecules in a certain way so, so that's kind of what what the interaction is about, and it's true. If nobody's projecting the, uh, anything on this water, then the water is just uh, basically uh, subject to the physical laws of the universe and doing nothing. And but the observer is then interacting and influencing it to change in one direction or another. This is another amazing, uh, significant validation that our minds and our emotions are shaping literally the physical world. I love this idea of your work. I love your work. You are really helping human beings to explore other aspects of themselves. But there's this darker side of humanity. We've only just begun to cover it with a recent interview with the, we did with a gentleman named James Corbett. So talking about saying, well, the elites have an idea for superhuman, and that is to become transhuman, where they want to merge human beings in with machines. Elon Musk wants to put a, a chip right in your brain and you know have your brain be capable of things. I, I, I think it's twisted. I, I don't want anything like that at all. I think it's just totally disturbing. I was wondering what your perspective is on that and what is the difference between you know helping a human being become superhuman as a result of technology in that particular way and a person becoming superhuman by utilizing natural ways of the universe i'm just wondering who's going to win that battle i mean do you think that humanity could actually be lost to this uh, technological revolution if enough people don't stand strong well, first of all, I, I'm just loving your questions. Very, very profound. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and this is such an important question because actually this is exactly what is happening right now. It's like there, we can see that there's a trend of moving society to a digital society. Everything becomes digital to the point where it's not just you speaking to Alexa or whatever turn on the TV or turn on this or that, but more literally your brain um, and 
your body having chips and all kinds of technology to from opening your garage door, turning on your dishwasher to uh, communicating with your computer and everything else. And so this is definitely the trend that is happening. But like I said earlier, just like there is one trend, there's also another trend, which is you can do all of this with your consciousness. Who's going to win the battle? I don't know if it's a battle. I think it's, again, it's both trends and whoever buys into one just manifests that reality for themselves. And so if you buy into the other thing, then that's what you end up attracting and becoming. So, um, but to say who's right or who's wrong, or is this, uh, you know, of course you have a natural innate sense, uh, intuition that this is wrong. Um, if, you know, I, I, and I can understand that. And because that is because the human consciousness or the intelligent life actually in terms of how it was created or intended to be, it's like it has within its own DNA, its own um, inherent abilities to um, a formula, if you will, to, to self-sustain, self-maintain and evolve and flourish and thrive according to the laws of the universe, not according to the laws of a scientist in a lab. <laughs> so, and the laws of the universe is you just keep expanding your natural awareness and your natural consciousness. That is the, these are the universal laws um, that operate in the universe. And so that is why a lot of people feel, including myself, by the way, and you're and you, um, feel deep inside our being that we need to expand organically. And we can do these things. We will be able to open the garage door by thinking about it or turn on the computer. But is that so crucial or beneficial? What is really beneficial? Uh, is it to open, to turn on the dishwasher before you get home or to be able to heal yourself, <laughs> you know, you'll be able, the fact that you can do both is great, but then you start to choose and prioritize, prioritize how you want to use your consciousness for your own benefit and the benefit of society. So that's my take on it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And just coming back to that battle, because <laughs> I, I really I, I am concerned about it a lot. Because I just because yeah, oh again one thing I've really been focused on Caroline is hope. I really try to just focus on that as much as possible. I do you th what do you think it would take for a uh, an evolution a revolution an evolution in terms of light consciousness? Because we see all we have, it seems like we have incredible technologies, and I always feel like the technologies the world has are always being used for like the worst part of humanity. Like we've got the, all these capabilities, these technological capabilities. I'm sure that we could probably do a lot for people that are suffering, that are poor, that are starving. I mean, it seems like we have so much technology available to end human misery, but we don't apply that. And I think that all the technologies out there right now that they're trying to, I guess, control people, I'm sure they could be utilized in some kind of capability, something very positive. But it seems like we're always going towards negative in that particular way. So what do you foresee as... Uh, the future does the um, do the control freaks kind of have an era of history where where they completely shut down 
humanity or they move humanity away from what we've come to know and put us on digital machines. I mean, in the beings that you've been in contact with and what's on the intuition that is within your heart, what do you feel is going to, to happen? I mean, because I'd rather just know the answer any which way, shape, or form to really <laughs> process and prepare for it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think uh, what I, what is going to happen, and again, that's my own, you know, intuition and just the projection in the future. As I watch the timelines unfold, I feel like um, uh, humanity, as it gets closer and clo- closer to a dangerous point of uh, basically losing its way uh, or or kind of diverting away from these universal laws that we talked about, uh, I feel that it's going to require a literally a divine intervention. And so, and what I mean, what I mean by that is that, is that, um, you know, things will, will happen that will um, interrupt those, those inventions and those things that are basically keeping the human mind uh, prisoner and so or turning into literally a machine uh, so that's how I feel it may have to be uh, so of course this is with with the help of all the folks who are in human form and are awakened it kind of goes in both ways so those individuals are creating an organic healthy positive future um, but if the other one starts to take over, I feel like it's not going to happen. So I hope this is bringing you hope. I it's bringing me hope because if you know there's a big battle, there's some people who it's kind of it's interesting, Carolyn. When I talk to certain people, I can I kind of can sense what where they're going. I mean, there are people in America that would say like <laughs> you're part of one or two political parties, but then I talk to certain people, I, I can kind of just feel like where. Where they're going, and I want to connect with people. I want to connect with people who are on the, who are, who are light, who want to really focus on this thing and do things. What are some of the things, from your perspective, that people who have peace and love in their heart can do to encourage, console, and uh, inspire others who would be on their side, you know, in this battle to bring them out? How can we help other people who are like-minded and encourage them? You know, the first thing I think when you want to help others, the first thing is for you to help yourself. And what I mean by that is that make sure that you are 100% aligned. You are 100% uh, perfectly kind of in the proper vibration and the proper energetic space. And once you do that for yourself, then it's really up to the individual. Because some people feel very compelled to go out and let's say feed the poor or go to a war zone and literally just help children in a war zone or what help, a refugee camp or something like that. Others feel com- com- compelled to just offer healing, for example. Others feel compelled to just write a book that is very, very empowering and inspiring and just share that knowledge. So, so when you ask what should we do to help humanity, it's, it's really depending on each individual's uh, mission. You know, you should feel inside you that um, kind of pull towards one specific thing. And as long as you are energetically aligned, you will bring that energy through everything that you will do because you are complete and whole yourself. 
And so that's what I feel people need to be doing. First, make sure you are totally whole, complete in your energy and then find the one thing to express that. And in our previous interviews, we, we have discussed the, um, your incredible abilities to communicate with beings and non-physical. And these are just not just beings that are on Earth, beings within the universe. Are there any particular beings that you'd recommend that uh, listeners right now can develop a relationship mm -hmm. with, can begin to communicate with? Because, again, taking this to another level, not only do I wish to unite other people on Earth in this light, but I also wish to unite people on Earth with these beings and also say, look, you know, we are people that are hungry for knowledge. We are people that are hungry for peace. And we'd like to, to work with, with teachers and great teachers. And, you know, can we work with these teachers? Can we get, uh, can we have some kind of, uh, you know, an additional patron saint or a, um, or a being that would, that would teach us that we could work with? Not to say that it would be above us, that we would, you know, kneel before it, but work with us, that would kind of like work with us and inspire other people who are like-minded to bring about this global change that we're desperately seeking right now. So you're talking about uh, in general, like as a collective, right? Not you personally, well, right? Well, maybe in general, or just are there? Yeah, are, well, are there any particular beings that non like beings that you've come in contact with that are very like advanced that are they're in this fight that want to see humanity succeed that we could that we could reach out to directly and say, look, you know, hey, my understanding is that uh, <laughs> you you know Caroline. Uh, I listened to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, and you know I'd like to That's work with you. Funny. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to have you in my corner. I just think it'd be kind of cool, you know. Yeah, you that's know, so funny. Why not? Well, I mean, look, if they're if the if the dark forces are gonna try to put chips in our brains, and they're gonna want to get us some kind of vaccine where we're gonna have to scan ourselves into a door, that sounds twisted. I think we should be open to all different possibilities. I don't care what it takes, as long as we oh win. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, I think everybody, first off, should be focusing on summoning source because source, again, is all that is. So just by saying source, I want to connect to the universal source, you kind of project your mind and your consciousness directly to that hub. So that is the most powerful intelligence in the universe. I recommend that people just go there first. And then in terms of individual, you know, kind of beings, to be honest, every person is going to gravitate towards a different type of being, um, a di different type of being just because of who they are and how much basically they can reach, if you will. But uh, if you want to just as a, um, as a concept, if you will, there's a being um, called um, Gabriel. And it's not the angel Gabriel. This, the, he is a being that kind of, again, I'm using simplistic human terms, right? <laughs> He's kind of in, uh, in charge of um, organizing kind of the administration, if you will, um, the administration of, of powers, if you will, in the universe on each planet, on this planet. So it's almost like he oversees um, the proper organization of energies. 
and uh, I feel like he could be a useful being to focus on, to talk to, to help us keep the balance of not forces, but a kind of the organizational energies uh, in all areas from politics to economy to health to technology. So I feel like he could be a good being. Another one, um, of course, many people uh, refer or relate to Archangel Michael as a protector. So I also recommend that people focus on the Archangel um, that, you know, to summon protection. If we're looking at Gabriel and Michael, and you've got some individuals who are very visual. What is a visualization or an outline visualization <laughs> that people should have for each one of these beings? Yeah, I love that. So the archangels are very, very tall. And again, everybody can feel them differently. But to me, they're all made of light. There is no, they don't have, they're not material. They don't have anything physical at all. But they kind of feel like very elongated uh, bodies of light. Um, the archangels don't necessarily have wings, but if that helps you kind of feel that uh, that is an archangel, then that's fine. But I think just by saying Archangel Michael and the archangel, you kind of, again, you're emitting a frequency and you're summoning that frequency. So you will begin to see different beings or sense different beings uh, according to what you perceive. But think elongated, very powerful, very bright, white light usually is what uh, works. And in terms of Gabriel, Gabriel feels more, I want to use the word regal. And again, this is a human term um, because he has to do with organization and administration. It's like as if he is overseeing the ministry of the whole planet, that sort of thing. And so, so he feels very regal as if he were clothed in these like robes, you know, <laughs> um, with, of course, there's no gold or any, any of that stuff, obviously, but it's more that sort of energy that emanates from him. Thank you. And with the Archangel Michael, because he is symbolic in Catholicism as being the, uh, the being that uh, triumphs over the devil or fights the devil, is there a different vibrational frequency and consciousness level uh, the Archangel Michael that you refer to or the one that is in the Catholicism? I'm wondering if either one of them have a different vibrational frequency, if one is a little lower, less effective than others, if one has more relevance or is more prevalent in human consciousness because of Catholicism, because a lot of people who are Catholic have heard of Saint Michael the Archangel. And if people are trying to present or look at Saint Michael the Archangel as you presented him, maybe as not being a being limited to Catholicism, do enough people outside of religion know who he is? So I'm curious about that. If yeah, yeah. It's interesting because a lot of those beings are represented in the Bible and other uh, manuscripts like that. But although I'm not an expert on all the books that were written, the test, you know, the Old Testament or whatever. But, um, but the thing is, I have seen depictions of those beings in, um, 
in the Bible. And so it is slightly different. And I would say that the best way to go about this is to ignore anything that was man, you know, written by men and just focus on, it may, it may be even easier to call him the first archangel of the universe. That way it kind of sets him apart, if you will, like beyond the, inter- the human interpretation of who he is. Kelly, I want to come back to your film in one second. I just have another question for you. Is that when I look at what happens to the animals, especially pigs, which have apparently have mm. an intelligence level of, of second grader, they're very intelligent. I see all these other beautiful animals, and it just their lives are hell. They're, they're, they're slaughtered in such gruesome like manners, and they're aware of what's going on. It just makes me sick, and, and no one's saving them. They've been slaughtered for, for centuries. So when I think about mm. that, I'm like, why do human beings think that they're above that? What makes them think that? they are in line or deserve a, some kind of divine deliverance when these majestic creature, creatures that I believe have far more to offer who are far more loving and passionate, they don't get spared. So what makes us think that we're, we're going to have some deus ex machina moment? So is there something unique about humans that separate us and why would we not be treated with the same mercilessness to ourselves that we've treated other beings on the planet? Yeah, tell me about it, right? Um, I think this is horrific, to be honest, because uh, the animals, the animal consciousness is really part of the earth consciousness. They're here to basically moderate and uh, maintain the pulsation and the electromagnetic field. Basically, the chemistry, the pulsing, the breathing, um, and the energy field of the planet. That's why you have, for example, the birds are flying because they're part of the magnetic field of the planet. And, and most animals, for example, are on all fours. So this means that the energy comes out of the uh, earth and then back through, through their feet, for example, and then comes back out through their other paws or you know, legs. And so, because they are, they are circulating and enriching uh, the chemistry and the electricity of the planet. So they're extremely important and valuable to the survival of the planet. And now on a social level, of course, they're supposed to be interacting with humans as well, but as equals, not as, you know, like things we can just dispose of. So the, to me, that whole thing is really, really horrific. And I personally have a hard time even looking at it. it it's just so difficult for me, uh, especially when I see the innocence and the beauty in the animals, in every animal. Um, it's like a little baby. You know, uh, they are, they cannot defend themselves uh, against uh, the way, you know, the brutality and whatever weapons we have. And so it really, really breaks my heart. And to me, this is a huge, huge, uh, I mean, I hate the word sin, but (laughs) I want to say error, (laughs) a huge mistake that humanity is making. Well, that's why I think, you know, Anything we can do to push this back. Now, coming back to your film, Superhuman, what would you think that are maybe two of the two major innovations 
that what you've accomplished in presenting this film that no other film has done before? Well, first of all, we've been talking about the mind affecting the body, that meditation is good for you, thinking positive helps you. All of these ideas and concepts are not new. They've been circulating for, especially in the last 20 years, 30 years, and all the books and teachings. And even now, more recently, the medical, in the medical field, doctors are telling us, oh yeah, you know, meditation helps you with uh, high blood pressure, helps you reduce stress. So even in those fields, we're trying to see validation. Uh, we're seeing validation that, the mind, that your state of mind has an effect on your physical body. So, but until now, especially in film format, it still has been documentaries or, uh, you know, stories in theory. These are all theories. In other words, um, we're still talking about it and saying, yes, I'm telling you that your mind does this. We've done this study and it does that. But I have never seen a film uh, that, first of all, combines a whole range of actual demonstration, on-camera demonstrations and actual scientific experiments all in one film that not only talk about this concept, but show, show uh, the concept, show how the mind is interacting with the physical world. So that's what I feel this film is, is doing. It's, it's completely... I mean, at a whole new level because of that. Caroline Corey, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, the film is called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. You can check it out on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vimeo, Xbox, PlayStation. You can also, is it also available on Amazon Prime as well? Actually, I think it's uh, coming. I think first it starts on Amazon and eventually makes its way there. I'm not quite sure. But what people can do is just go to the website, superhumanfilm.com. And then when they click on watch now, they'll see all the, the platforms. And then as we add more, then they'll be on that page as well. And uh, they can also, if they're interested, uh, check out the workshop page. See, this see is incredible. There's something, yeah. If they want to, for example, do the blindfold class for their kids or for themselves or telekinesis or whatever. And I did that on purpose because so many people, when they watch the film or as we were filming, they would have the same reaction, like, I want to learn this. And so that's the reason why I put this out there as well. It's terrific. And you've got a lot going on. So, uh, again, film is called <laughs> uh, superhumanfilm.com. Caroline, always a pleasure. Superhuman film. Yeah, superhuman. Yeah, superhuman yes. film. Is it superhumanfilm.com? Correct. Right, Thank awesome. you so much for having, having me, Ryan. This was awesome, and your questions were amazing. I loved Thank it. You. Thank you. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our beloved featured guest, Ms. Caroline Corey, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Ellis, Ms. Lisa McGarity and our associate producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care. Thank you so much for listening.